Hi, and welcome to the 112th episodes of the Keen Mind podcast, where we cover NBC's The Blacklist. This is season eight, episode five, the Freeborg, I think it was the Freeborg Conf- uh, Confidence? They said Freiburg. Freiburg. It's weird. I, I was mispronouncing that, but the Freiburg Confidence. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Cycle. And I am Tessa. How did you like the episode? Uh, I have very mixed emotions about it. I did not like the lack of Liz. Um, that really bothered me. I hope we don't continue with that. I hope it wasn't a, a trial and can we do this without her? Uh, because I think the answer to that would be no. Um, if it's a one-time thing, okay, you know. I, I thought but, it was oh. Carolyn, like what, what happened with Kate. She was, you know, she was gone and then she was gone and then we saw her, you know, as she prepared her little plan. Yeah, um, I definitely think that it showed and it also provided a nice, uh, we've talked about with Reddington before how he projects this omniscient sort of vibe on everybody that like because Mm -hmm. of the way he goes about things. Everyone thinks he can constantly hear and see and like, you're just not going to get out from under Red's knowledge. And Liz had very much that presence in this, that she had a plan for everything and she knew every step of everything that was happening. And I mean, so, and maybe that's why she wasn't in it. It was a bit strange to me that she wasn't, I expected her to pop up at the very end. And when she didn't, that was, that was bizarre. Mm. But regardless, as long as it's not a, you know, peek into the future that we'll have less Liz, you know, one time's fine. I was actually fine with no Liz. I needed a Lizication. And, uh, yeah, she was a little too much, especially bombing hospitals. And 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 this one, even though she wasn't there, it's just got me pretty annoyed. Um, so, you know, kudos. The character still annoyed me. It was not present. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a whole part of the fandom out there that Tom Keene's been dead for over two years, working on three now, and apparently he still annoys the crap out of them. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> give it to the Keens. <laughs> <laughs> They're good at what they do. <laughs> but um, I, I think my rewatch, because I watched it live, uh, Friday night, and then did a rewatch Saturday morning, and I, I think I clued in on something that at least made the the episode more interesting for me mm-hmm. because the intro was fun. Uh, the you know the song and the way they worked together, all of that was really fun. So I'm super excited when we started, and then the rest of the episode was. It wasn't bad, but it was one of those kind of, eh, all right, that you heard me a lot with season six. Like, well, it wasn't atrocious, but why was I watching life, you know? And um, second round through, I picked up, this wasn't, yes, we had the story being told about, you know, the confidence and that they robbed banks and this and that. But it was also a story being told in parallels. We had so many stories going on here, and we've talked about for years now that that the Blacklist does this a lot. And when I realized the depth of what they were paralleling and what they were saying through that, the episode became much more interesting for me. Mm. 
I always saw the parallels from the very beginning. I liked the episode. I thought it was it was well done. It had a certain lightness. Uh, even though what was happening was actually pretty bad, it had a lightness that was needed after last week. Uh, not that I have, you know, reconciled with the show. Um, I'm still holding grudges. But uh, at least I enjoy this one. The lysication was really nice. Um, uh, I found the parallels. Uh, I mean, they were really heavy handed. They were usually they do things a lot more subtle, but I have been noticing as we come along in season like late season seven and season eight, it's becoming very, very heavy handed. I think they want to make sure that the audience is getting it. And mm -hmm. so because most most of the audience, the casual viewer is not doing what you and I do. I mean, we do rewatches. We like I watch this two times completely through and then went back and spot watched for a mm. third time through to make sure I was getting some of the dialogue and really focused in on certain pieces of it. Mm. And I, I mean, like I'll admit last night I wasn't watching very close. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I knew I was going to be rewatching today and I wasn't overly entertained by it. So oh. I, my interests. Yeah. And so if, if I include in, if I keyed in just a little bit more, I might have been more entertained by it. Yeah. I think um, that's why they're getting more heavy handed about it is because for, for the audience, it's not like us, the more casual audience. Now they're getting into the, the, the big strokes. Yeah. Um, I, I found the, the blacklister was fascinating to me. Um, you're getting this woman who has, you know, this plight. The father is a criminal that abandoned her, went to prison, disappeared, then went back into her life and uh, didn't want to be a bad influence. He didn't want that life for the daughter. But since the daughter turned out to have been just like daddy, uh, you know, nature versus nurture, and it turned out nature seems to be stronger, um, daddy decided to just give her a few pointers. Well, do you want to jump into the parallels right now? Uh, at least the, the, yeah. the daddy-daughter parallels? Just... Yeah. So the Ape and Red parallels were so strong. <laughs> I mean, so were the Jennifer Liz. And it was very interesting that they chose Jennifer for her name. Yes, I, mean, I want to go into that. Yeah, considering Liz's sister and theoretically Red's daughter is named Jennifer. Also and strange. So, yes, also estranged exactly um but i just i found it interesting all the little comments that abe was making along the way and he was also ill he mm -hmm. was not able to continue doing what he had what he was very good at what he'd proven to be good at and what his daughter was mm -hmm. taking up the reins of and so when red first asked him about his daughter he said i did uh i did once but not anymore in reference to her. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think that the reason Red believed him when he said that, when he said he was trying to put distance, that he didn't want her to be like him, um, I think he believed that because he wanted to, because he saw so much of himself in mm -hmm. Abe. So much of this, I mean, because you know Red has to, he's got a great poker face, but this has to be killing him, that yeah. Liz is, is doing what she's doing. Whether it's understandable or not, whether he well, is allowed he, to look he said it to, to uh, Cooper a few episodes ago. I mean, you may not, 
you do recognize it. You may not like it, but you recognize that this is her destiny. Same as uh, apparently being a safe cracker is Jennifer destiny. Exactly. And so I think that when, when a first said, you know, I, I don't have anything to do with her. We're estranged. I think red was inclined to believe him because he felt a connection with him on that level, on that deep emotional level. He pulled one over on him, and the lines when towards the end of the episode, when they were flipping back and forth between Jennifer and Abe, telling the story and getting the full mm -hmm. picture of it between the task force and Red, those were interesting. And so I want to go through the, the individual lines. Um, Abe said, I never wanted this life for her. Red's response was, you think about her, uh, she's the first thing you think about every morning. Abe, which is why I thought it'd be best to stay away from her. Even after I got out of prison, I cut ties. You couldn't imagine how hard that is. And Red said, for the purpose of this conversation, let's assume I can. It's, I mean, like you said, yeah. very heavy handed, very pointed. It was, you, you can't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, this is not a breadcrumb. This is they coming out of the TV with a big loaf of French bread, probably stale and hitting you on the head until you get it. <laughs> That's a mental image. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it just—it was great how they go through this, and I mean, he's talking about her cracking the safe, and how he, you know, all he wanted to do was see her. He wasn't even going to talk to her. He certainly wasn't going to teach her. He just wanted to see her to to view, you know, be close to her one time. But then he saw her cracking the safe and he thought he could teach her something. She was already there. He, he thought he could impart something to her. And you just watch Red going, yeah, yep, I get that. Been yeah. there, done that. <laughs> yeah. And But unlike where Liz is right now, you had Jennifer on the other end saying, stay away from my father. Yes. And so that's, that's where you get, it shifts into the, 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 opposing parallel the the mirror image of it yeah well it was it was uh it was Liz before this thing and I was I was watching Liz I, I did a lot of of spot watching on those moments uh because as we have gone through the series Liz seemed to be getting more and more of those moments you know the moments uh she get what at one point we call the Masha look when she seemed to just like glazed over and the things she are she's doing do not make a lot of sense she did it the first time she really did it was when she was on the hospital with tom and she just looks up and is exactly the same look as when she looked up when she had a gun and she was four years old and she went there and then she stabbed red in the neck then she had it again in uh, when she's um uh, once he kills Connolly, she goes into another one when the guy tried to grab her gun um, in the in the diner. So she's been getting this moment in which she seems to be in an altered reality. I mean, very mechanical, very like fixed. It seems like she's not herself. Like she's been programmed in yeah. a way to do yeah. certain things and certain things are triggering this. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I also noticed that when after 311, when she gets beaten up, I it was very in, 
interesting. And the other Jan in Reddit had had done some analysis about it, about how the way Liz talked, the words she used were very similar to what Kate used to say when before she hasn't said any of it. Like, you know, you're a danger to my baby. Um, you know, and then Kate would say, yes, she's been telling you for months and you're a danger to her baby. It's like, but she really hasn't been saying that. So it felt to me that Kate was the one who did that first, that second manipulation with Krylov to kind of implant in her to adopt the baby out because I think that Kate had a feeling that Liz was not really um, going to be a very good mother. And the second one, I think, happened actually when Skovic was around and Katerina Conk and, and, and Bertie Conk Liz on the head. And Skovic is there. And so I, I, I think that they got to be something. That conversation did something in her more than being upset. Because Red said, you know, let's talk. And and she said, you know, there is there is no no conversation or explanation. There is only a confession. This and then she started using the same words as as a blonde cat, you know, like men controlling me, men trying to protect me. Uh, I'm done with people controlling me. It just sounded just like blonde cat. So I'm thinking that at least mind is a mess right now because she's being manipulated too many times. Yeah, I mean, you've got to wonder with that kind of stuff what the long-term effects would be. I mean, because you can't go around screwing in someone's mind without it having some sort of effect on them. I mean, even if it's, you know, hiding memories away or pulling memories forward or what have you, especially if they're memories that are... I mean, Deep and profound and yeah, personal. traumatic. And we've talked about the fact that she never really was able to work through the childhood trauma because they were buried. But to bring those those forward all of a sudden, and I, that that just has to be mind shattering mm. to to not have it and then suddenly remember it and have to handle all of that at once. Mm. It it made it was it was very interesting and, and and but to go back to the point of the of the parallels they were there they were very heavy and I thought it was very interesting that the name they chose for the daughter is Jennifer because whether Red is Jennifer's biological father or not you know whether he's Red or Reddington or the point is that that. Naomi and him were discussing Jennifer as if he were Jennifer's father. You know, we have a deal. You have, um, this is my daughter. And the deal apparently involved Jennifer and Liz. It just seems to me that they're also putting there, you know, there is another Reddington girl who's also estranged. And who's also not very well inclined towards daddy. Whether she believes that Reddington is daddy or not. I thought it was interesting. Uh, And we've heard Liz talk about abandonment Mm -hmm. before. And we heard Jennifer talk about abandonment Mm -hmm. when she was around. And that was, yeah, and Jennifer from this episode, that was a phrase that really 
stuck mm-hmm. out to me when she said, well, you know, he went to prison when I was seven and he, he abandoned me. And that that's something that just really tied back to both Liz and possibly to, to Jennifer Reddington as well. Yeah. The, the yeah. idea of abandonment. And we had it with Tom, which yes. was his childhood. Was, yeah. it's, it's been a, and Liz refusing to abandon Agnes after the washer incident. And so that, that 180 mm. she did with yeah. Agnes. It's uh, it's been a a theme in the subject of abandonment. I mean, Jennifer was constantly asking in that restaurant, like, you didn't abandon us to protect us. You just abandoned us. Uh, Why did you abandon us? And Liz had done the same thing. You know, when I thought I was he was my father, I hated him for abandoning me. And, you know, even from the from the pilot, she's been saying you abandoned that girl that night. So you have nothing to do with her. You can't talk about pet about parenthood. You just got no rights. Right. It's it's something that's stuck with her for a very long time. And I mean, ever since we've met her. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just thought that was very interesting and uh the parallels that they drew between jennifer and liz and certainly between abe and reddington mm-hmm. when and I, I, I didn't think them. about the being sick but it's true i mean there is abe he can't even take a, a couple of steps without having to rest um i also thought interesting that the nurse is part of the team so i do wonder uh, was that a direct correlation to Essie that was part of Red's team, but is really in the daughter's team or well, the daughter list him as like it was in Jennifer's team? So was um, Skip. Skip worked for Reddington and yeah. now works for, you know, he, he was a mole, basically, you know, the mm-hmm. a defector. Of yes. Yeah. A traitor. Yeah, a traitor. exactly. And so, I mean, he, he switched sides. Both of them did. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting uh, to me whether Liz has somebody in the inside now that we don't know about that is providing information to her. Um, but we definitely saw that she has, I mean, for the limited time she's been doing this, she's already got a really good network going. Mm-hmm. And she has Essie, who she obviously trusts quite a bit I mean because she was running all of this and she Mm -hmm. was the one who was able to pick up that that jump drive Mm -hmm. and we had the the guy that was posing as a homeless man that picked up the drop Mm -hmm. we have skip uh we have a connection to a network of safe houses and she's she is using the knowledge that she gained working with red as a ci mm-hmm. now using it against him and she's she's proving herself very good at it yes uh which which definitely definitely before we go into you know where we're stalling and all that that will have a lot of of theory involved let's talk about the freelancer of yeah. all the blacklisters to get out uh, you know what? I actually have a thought on this because, and, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily defending Liz on this, but I think I've figured out her train of thought on it. 
And it all comes back to the hyper focus that she's had and which may be because of the memory manipulations and something's triggered it, or it may just be Liz because Liz does hyper focus. It may be a combination thereof that mm. the, the memory manipulations has just really zeroed in on this natural inclination that she has. But regardless, she's so focused she has blinders on and Abe talked about his daughter having blinders on because she saw all of this, you know, this woman was very persuasive and this and that. And Jennifer had blinders on when he told her that Reddington should be off limits. Well, Liz has blinders on when it comes to anything else. We saw that in the hospital. She saw Reddington and an opportunity to kill him. She didn't think about her team. She didn't think about innocent civilians staff in the hospital didn't think or didn't care tomato tomato um but she my point is she was so focused that was her goal nothing else mattered she had blinders on I think in a lot of ways that's what's happening with the uh the freelancer here and so if you come at it from the understanding that her focus is only on red So that means that the only thing she's thinking of for the freelancer, she's not thinking about all the other people he killed. All she's focused on is the one kill that she was directly involved in, you know, in the case. And that was Floriana Campo, which if we remember from season one, Liz talked about that she had written a paper on her in school and she was a hero of hers. You know, she saved young young people from human trafficking and she she idolized this woman she loved her and then it turned out she was a monster that used all the trust given to her to manipulate the people who had put the trust in her and to manipulate them and to harm them and she profited off of it and so if you're looking at it through that lens and blinders blocking everything else the freelancer did the man was after a monster and so I think it's very similar to Liz. But he was hired by Red. I know. But I'm just saying, I think it's very similar in her mind. I'm not saying that it makes sense when you take the blinders off. I'm mm-hmm. saying that when you look at from directly from Liz's point of view, it's the same way that she's trying to take out this man who, you know, 86 bodies. She keeps going back to 86 bodies. But, well, but it's, it's a lot more than that, Jen. I mean... It's not just the freelancer because she eventually is going to ha- try to have him kill Red. Um, probably tell him it was Red who got you, you know, finger, so take your revenge on Red. But also what it did to the task force. Because if he, she's directly placing the task force, she's doing exactly the playbook that Kate did. Let's disable the, the task force. Because if we do that, then Red has no protection. Maybe. Um, it's a possibility. But I I don't think she she used them. She's been using them. She's been using them at every turn. But I think her focus was directly on Red. I think yes, but I think that there is more to it. I think she's disabling the task force. And by doing this, she's basically exposing the task force because the the let's say now the freelancer can quite easily go back and try to get them. You know, as Pana Baker said, there is no place, no rock you're going to be able to hide. I don't think she's thinking about that. 
I don't think, I don't think she possible. cares, which is a different story for me. I think that she's perfectly capable of understanding, and that's the difference between her and Red. Red always tries to protect the innocent. Liz doesn't care as long as she she's shooting the... She's getting rid of the fly in the room. It doesn't care what else it does. She's going to shoot a cannon in it. So I suppose the next question is, what do you think the purpose for sending that jump drive to Cooper was? If she's trying to disable the task force, as you say. I think she's actually placing Cooper in incredible danger because... She, that, that, I mean, the whole thing about that, that event was direct about that flash drive. There is nothing else. They didn't take anything else, just that flash drive. What did it happen? It's not skip. I know Brett thinks that, but it can be slip, a skip because by the time skip was in the air on the plane, Red was in Moscow. Skip could not have known that Red was going to get a drive or where was it put in. There is three sources of, of the information where that drive was eventually landing. Dembe, Marvin, and Sikorsky himself. Do you think it's possible that Marvin got pushed too far? It is possible. I am actually, I'm actually more inclined to say is either Dembe, because Marvin would have been recovering and then getting busy to disable, skip, whatever. I think that is more likely to have been either Dembe or Sikorsky playing a game using Red's desire to protect Liz and then giving Liz the means to disable Red. Um. I think that when Liz, Liz had to know that that was the, the archive because she has to know what she was stealing. And if that is part of the archive, she knows that that is very dangerous. She's being told that every turn it's very dangerous. And she's giving this to Cooper without telling him what it is, without warning him. You know, this is a very dangerous piece of information. Make sure that when you get it, I mean, if she care about Cooper, this is what you do. You make sure that you tell him what it is. A note, a call. You know, this is part of the files stolen by N13. They're very dangerous. It will put you in danger. She's already putting herself in danger by stealing them and leaving the note. They are, it, it, it will become known that it's her. By giving them to Cooper, she's directly placing Cooper in terrible danger. I do agree with that, yes. Uh, and I agree with you. It would have been as simple as a phone call or, you know, a note in the coffee along with it, what have you. I mean, it wouldn't have been difficult. And so I think my, my opinion as it stands today is that she is trying to force the task force to choose a side. Mm-hmm. because they don't Just want like Kate did. Yeah, they, they don't want to. They, they want to. They keep calling her Agent Keen, especially Cooper. And Cooper made the comment, and it was a direct call back to the pilot, where he said, this may be hubris talking, but uh, was it? Uh, I still think we may be able to reach her. And so he's still seeing that, that innocent, you know, what, what he saw as innocent 
mm-hmm. profiler that came in day one, and he wants to reach back out to her. And we've seen this throughout the show. He talked about in season two, you know, well, if you take that shot, the good agent that I know will be gone forever, that sort of thing. And so I think that she knows that he's he has always had issues with how mm-hmm. far Red pushes her. But he also has a duty. He also has a belief in what they do. He, he much like uh, Wrestler has voiced before, yep. understands that there are lives saved by working with Reddington. I think by giving him the archive, she's trying to show him that look at how terrible he is. She's trying to push him into a place where Reddington becomes so horrible to him he can no longer work with him. I think that that may be some of what is going on, but I think the other thing is when she went to Cooper with a recording and Cooper declined to do anything, that's when she got the C4 Semtex. That's when she didn't care if Wrestler was in the room or whoever was in the room. And now I think that's honestly she's trying to get Cooper killed. I think that she's taking the next logical step that Kate was, was going to and you, she's going to try to get them killed. See, I, I don't think she is actively trying to kill them. I think she is not paying attention to <laughs> either not paying attention or not caring. Uh, she, she's making some very risky moves when she could easily work to at least to warn what they were. Yeah. Warn, just a warning oh, no, of I, what they I'm are. Totally, I just, yeah, I'm totally with you that she she could have easily warned him and did not. I also I, I'm what I'm against on is I don't think she's actively trying to get Cooper killed. Mm. So I think that that if we put together what Liz did by giving this to Cooper, how did she learn about it? And I think that Liz is being a pawn in this game. And Liz is acting in a way that will get the task force to either choose her or get destroyed, killed. I don't think that she cares at this point. She's like Kate. They're enablers and they got to go. Um, it, it is it is very sad. And I don't think that there is there is coming back from from this. I, I don't, I mean, unless it is a manipulation, I do not see her coming back. Do you think that the uh, the confidence knew at all who Liz was? Because they were using an old alias of hers from, like, early season one. But that was, that was an alias given to her by Red, and I think she just kept it. And, um, which is interesting, because that speaks about... To a certain level, she always knew she would need these things. I mean, when you see the amount of things that she and Tom have been keeping, that she had fake passports, that she was keeping cash, that she had found that apartment and kept it and, you know, kept paying the rent or the maintenance or whatever it is, it speaks to me that deep inside, this is just a continuation of the plan that got Red to to come and to the FBI and surrender, which was Tom got three passports. 
And to me, that was Tom wants to go away out of his reach, out of his protection. Yeah, I think Tom was always much more inclined to run from Red than take him out. But we always saw that from from what we saw of Tom when when he was you know alive on the show, he almost had this hero worship and we we talked about this seasons mm-hmm. ago a bit of hero worship going with red that you know he was the gold standard mm-hmm. and you know that this was someone that i think that before before he met liz it would have been the best you know that that that's when you know you've made it as an mm-hmm. operative is to get hired by Brandon Reddington. And so I don't think he would have thought they could kill Red, much less have been willing to risk his life, his family's life. He was always saying, let's go, let's run. Let's just mm. let's get out of here. And so Liz, and, and it may be, I think there's a lot of things happening right now, but one of those many, many pieces is that they tried that. They did try to run. And when it didn't work, they just stayed. And Liz was like, all right, well, guess that that failed, mm-hmm. you know? And there's actually a deleted scene from season four with, um, with them talking. And he said, you know, the plan was to get away from him. Obviously, we're not doing that anymore. And that's... You know, that that is what it is, basically, is the gist of it. Uh, the, the It clearly wasn't his preference, but Liz is going to do what Liz is going to do. Yeah. But I think Liz, what, what I was going to say is one of those pieces of what's going on is that she saw, okay, yeah, we did try to run. It did not work. So what am I going to do? Do it again? And I, I won't ever be able to get away. We're going to end this now. It seems to me that, however... Something weird is going on in in her mind with all this. And I can't get away from it. Because I know that Red does cryptic stuff. He does speak cryptically. But when you put together the things he has said, not the things that others have told her or showed her, what Red has said, the path is clear. It is, it is Liz penchant for believing everybody but Red that is complicated. Tom, on the other hand, was placed far more trust in what Red told him than Liz did. Liz was like the kid that tells, don't put the finger in the, there he goes. Yep, I told you, you're going to electrocute yourself. Um, she seems to, to be, I mean, she spent the the entire season one asking Red if he was her father, obviously not believing every time that he said no. Yet, even knowing this, she surrendered him to the FBI. It, it seems to me that there was always in Liz this rage about being abandoned that has never come, like, all the way. She's never confronted Red. Because every time that she gets an answer, Liz never keeps asking questions. It's like she's so scared of the answers. She's so scared of learning that what happened was her fault. You know, as a four-year-old, you tend you tend to think everything is your fault. 
I think that she's so scared of learning that it was all her fault. And in a way, when Red let her believe that, you know, you know, you killed both your parents, uh, that's what she believed. And even though it may have been, Red may have been talking about a metaphorical death, not a real death. I think for Liz that this had been building this this anger is this anger and guilt and she just doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, I I would agree with you there. Um, it, it goes back to not not being able to process it, mm-hmm. uh, not not knowing even. I mean, she had all of this inside of her and she didn't necessarily know why. Because her memories had been suppressed, and she she didn't remember the fire. She didn't remember shooting the gun. She didn't remember. I mean, we still don't know for sure if she has all of those memories back. We know no. she has pieces, and we've been told those memories aren't necessarily reliable in the order that she thinks she has them. Mm-hmm. And so, the yeah, definitely she, a lot of the things that she remembers could not withstand a serious um, research. What what kills me with Liz is that. She has elements, and she still doesn't ask questions and listens to the answers. It's well, I like think it's she, exactly what you just said. She's afraid of the answer. I I never really thought about it from that angle, but I think you're right. Because, I mean, she does. Every time she finds someone, uh, and people are asking this about, you know, when, when Blonde Cat showed up. Like, okay, so you think this is your mom. Why would you not immediately ask her all the questions that have been bubbling around in your head for all of these years? And she doesn't. She just goes, okay, mom. It is, I mean, you could just simply do a very, very small thing. Like, mom, do you remember what we buried, you know, when I was four in that can? Because if she doesn't know, she's not your mother. And Red told her she's a fake. She's not your mother. And she's not listening to any of this, but she's also not asking the questions that would go f- to learn whether she is or not. So I think that, that there is, there is a, this fear that is creating this disconnect. And, and I think that that's what, what Tom did for her. Uh, because even when when wrestler like tried to give her a question, I think she just manipulates wrestler too easily, um, and it's just really? not not working for her to not have somebody who pushes her to actually make connections that make sense. Yeah. Um, that said, um, let's talk about Panna Baker. <laughs> Oh, it's always Baker. a happy one when when I get to see Cynthia. Yeah, um, she was not a happy camper to find out that Liz is trying to kill her golden goose right now. Mm. <laughs> she a, said something very interesting to to Cooper about not being willing to fall on that grenade. No, about I've always been in awe of of the way you handle Reddington, the way you make him believe that he's ha- that he's handling you, the way you tr- you work with that task force to make them do what you want them to do and like and it it was just such an interesting view because you always tend to believe that Red is the master manipulator. 
And I think, and I've used this before, how when we got in, in season one, if it was the performance of the magician. You sit in the theater, it's, it's dark, you know, the, there's this magician comes in with a, with a hat and and a pretty assistant in the sequin dress and you're like, oh, you know, it's so exciting and the smoke with colors and you believe everything. As a season progressed, you have gone like, okay, now you're in the dress rehearsal and you see the mistakes the magicians made. And then you go further and you see the magician actually making a trick that didn't know before and he's making a lot of mistakes. And a lot of the things that he pretends to know, he doesn't. And by now we're in this, the magicians have sometimes got no clue what he's doing. And you start seeing now Cynthia telling Cooper this and you start thinking, wait a minute, are we seeing this? Do, do we need to step one, one mirror back and take a look at how did this looks from others' perspectives? Like, are we believing that the one red, the one manipulating everything is red because he's a master manipulator? What if he is being manipulated? Is he under Sikorsky's employment? Is Cooper really manipulating red? All of this is suddenly just thrown and, and it's this red's plan that Liz has to take him out in order to be the next Reddington. You say, is it Red's plan that she needs yeah. to take him out? I don't think so. Because, I mean, that's the conversation they had on the phone where, where she says, you know, it's, it's my mission in life to kill you, basically. He said, oh, what a waste of your life. Mm. And I, I don't think, because I, I truly believe that if I, we've talked about, you know, is Liz redeemable sort of thing back and forth. And I truly think that if she pulls the trigger and she kills Red, that's it. She, she has lost her soul. And that, that is the shot. Cooper thought it was, it was Tom Connolly back in season two, that when she pulled that trigger, she'd know, you know, she'd lose that good agent. I think in the grand scheme of things, at the end of this, killing Red would be something she cannot come back from. And that hurt little girl that, that you were talking about earlier that's afraid to find out, it, whether he's her father or not, and I'm it's fungent as it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And she is going to be responsible for his death if she pulls that trigger as an adult, as a as she was a child. Then it was an accident. If she does it now, it's going to be intentional, premeditated choice. Plus, she's also forgetting all the things that her mother did Um that she hasn't even asked about why did you frame my father or it, there's been nothing. I mean, last week he's like, so you want to kill a dying man to save the honor of, and he just named the things that blonde cat yeah. did recently. Yeah. If blonde cat and Liz thinks that she's her mother, whether she is or not, she thinks that she is. And so we're not even touching on the stuff she did back when, you know. Yeah, well, Cooper said you kill cabal people, you kill uh, CIA people, you keep FBI people, um, you know. And and besides, Liz is an American, so regardless of who her mother is, she's an FBI agent with a with a, an oath to her country, and. 
at that point, I understand, okay, maybe you're not going to, like, try to apprehend your mother, but, sweetie, you should be at least concerned with those two poor FBI agents whose only problem was that they were trying to defend you. She's not, and, and it just seems like Liz believes, she believed Jennifer, she believed Kirk, she believed, no, I'm sorry, she did not believe Kirk. She believed Jennifer, and she believed this blonde cat. So it seems like Liz has this thing about about looking for her mother. So when all these things was about daddy, deep inside she's looking for her mother. And I disagree. I don't think that what Cooper and Red were talking about was killing Red, was was something that she cannot come back from. I no, think I what it is, is that both Cooper and Red know that Blonde Cat is not Liz's mother. And if she kills... Um, that if she kills, that is, I don't think it is killing Red. I think it is. If she goes trying to avenge fake uh, uh, blonde cat death, she's going to end up exposing her mother. And that she's not going to be able to come back from. Yeah. Um, and and if she kills Red, I think that, you know, and she might do both at the same time. She might end up. And what is she? Because listen, a very weird reaction to Blonde Cat. Oh, yes, mommy. Never even like, oh, OK, you abandoned me to protect me. Oh, that's cool. But we know that she did the same thing with Red. Oh, yes, you're my daddy. So and then eventually starting to come back like, hey, you abandoned me. So. What's going to happen to if she finds Katarina? She's going to do the same as she did with Red. She's going to betray her and she's going to serve in a platter to her enemies because that's what Liz does. When she gets to that anger, she's going to do it. It's, I mean, it's, um, I don't see a path that doesn't end there. Although, the one thing that can save Red from her is actually Katerina showing up and tell, excuse me, girl, you're way out of line. Go to a corner. <laughs> I, I do think like for life. <laughs> I, I do think there's a good chance that'll happen, that, that Katerina will be forced. Because obviously, Liz has been in a lot of really sketchy places over the years, and Katerina's never felt the need to step forward whether blonde cat's really katarina or whether she's not she didn't feel the need to step forward and so i i do believe that it's going to get to the point because right now the task force is is keeping this under wraps panabaker's the first person outside of their core group to to finally hear liz is on the run like liz is not here liz is trying to murder Raymond Reddington. And hospitals. Right, but nobody knows that's her outside of the core group. They've kept it very, very in-house. And so, but once you break that that cone of silence there. Yeah, Pina Baker is not going to fall on any grenade for anybody. She already told them the previous time. I told you, if you get found out, if anybody knows about the task force, you're out. And I do not put a path list to make sure that 
that criminals know that Red is an informant, that the task force exists, and that will disable them and leave them exposed. She was going around when she was calling people on that list a couple episodes ago. That she was telling, not only was she telling them that he's dying, she's spreading that around like wildfire. But she was telling a few people he's also, you know, he's a snitch. He's working for the FBI. Now, granted, the people she was telling had to have known already. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she was around. I don't know how they wouldn't. But regardless, th- this secret that they've worked so hard to keep. And this is actually going to cycle around into the third parallel that I had, which was the judge from this episode and Judge Jenner from season two. But think about how hard they worked in season two for episodes to keep the fact that Raymond Reddington was their CI out of open court. Mm-hmm. And then today they turn around and just let this judge with absolutely no clearance. I mean, if dinner was pretty high up on the food chain, but he wasn't high enough to technically have that knowledge. Connolly, mm-hmm. this guy, I mean, this guy's not. I think they're terrified that they're going to start getting those criminals because basically that's a lot of bad will and all those credits and that they had are gone. And yet now, not only has this guy been released, but this judge also knows. Mm. And my guess is. I don't think that he'll live long. Oh, and if he comes back at all. I mean, but. So was that information released to the lawyer? I mean, obviously. No. They, well, uh, well Liz, Liz told him through Skip. Yeah. And so there, there is, there is enough in there to. Uh, I mean, Liz is is doing real damage. So it's it's a brilliant plan, but it's basically she's taking Kate's plan and making it a little more refined. Yeah. Um. And that takes us to. I guess a lovely lady in the park. And you have a theory about her. I've heard all kind of strange things. And there I am thinking, for once in... Let, let me just make this clear, uh, listeners, because this is this is unique. Usually, I'm the one who goes into these wild theories. But in this particular occasion, I'm just like thinking, oh, how nice. You know, maybe Red will go out with this lady. You know, she seems like a nice lady. They, I remember Red talking about some Piper or something that was in in one of the episodes with Tom, and now it's like uh, the this this Cape May warbler. And I'm I'm like, oh, how cute. You know, Red really needs like somebody normal for a bit. You know, maybe if it's just to go for a couple of dinners, but just somebody normal. Uh, but no, um, here comes Jennifer and spoils that. Yep. You know, my money is that Liz has inserted her into Red's life in the same way that Red set Tom up. I, while I have no question that Liz loves her husband and that they worked through it, that doesn't mean that she ever really forgave Red for ins- not only inserting a guy to watch her and to befriend, you know, I, granted it was to befriend a friend, but when she already was on her way to, for- she was working with Tom and, you know, was on better terms with him when she found out 
that Red was the one responsible, and she just about took Red's head off for it. Mm. And, I mean, it just, this this is always, and honestly, as well, it should have been an issue for her. This Mm. man that she did not know had people spying on her. And I bet that wasn't the first one. That's just the first one she found out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly wasn't the last one. There was, uh, what's his name, that she sent to person? Yeah, Ezra. Yeah. That said, poor Ezra. I always felt bad for him. He was, but he was handsome. I, I mean, he, hello, Red that would have been nice for the team. Red has got to stop <laughs> inserting handsome straight men into Liz's life. Yeah. Doesn't work. No, no. They Gina all would have been a much better alternative. Oh, I worry about the effect Gina would have had on Liz if they had met under different circumstances. I, they would have been, mm-hmm. uh-huh. been very fun. dangerous. My point is that my money is on that Liz has inserted this woman with the intention to have him fall for her and to rip it out from under him. She's uh, doing. All right. Well, that goes my mind. That was so sweet. It's nice. I read, you know, it has this nice lady to, you know, maybe. <laughs> No. All right. You yeah, know we, what? So was the bespeckled, you know, fourth grade teacher. <laughs> it was yeah, also sweet. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the other thing that we should discuss is is a very because we've been throwing uh, things back way a lot of things. I mean, those nests nets are going way back into the ocean. We drag Vlad's uh, uh, Svenko, the touch DNA guy, into this one. That was a throwback from season one when he's the one who found uh, that's a guy who did who found Christopher's Malley's identity. Vlad Svenko. Was he? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh. Oh no, I missed that one. Cool. Yeah. So that's one. We had the hubris callback, which was from the pilot. Yes. Um, we've been having a lot of Tom um, uh, flashbacks and and mentions and tie-ins and everything. Um, It's... it's, um, Obviously the freelancer coming back around. The freelancer coming back. The first case where, you know, they were involved because they don't know about Ranko Samani. And then... We did this thing in which the the bird that they're talking about is a Cape May warbler. Not only that, but then Red uses the ID Kevin Donnelly in the safe deposit box. That's the ID that he used in uh, Cape May. So there is a whole lot of stuff that is going back to 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 the to the to the past. I love when they're doing that. It tells me at least we're just starting to collect. Remember that I used to say that we're just leaving all these threats and eventually we start collecting them and things are going to start making sense. Uh, my prediction for number two is going to be Naomi Highland. Interesting. Yeah. I don't have yet Jennifer placed, but I think that she's also going to be in the blacklist. I think there is no chance that the Reddington girls don't end in the blacklist. Especially if I'm correct and Jennifer just basically showed her a fake DNA test that Liz failed again. 
because we, we never, I was going to say, we never saw what Tom saw. And Tom's confirmation of, of it was in Liz's mind. Also, by the way, let's talking about, you know, how she's been cracking a little over the years. Ghost Tom was cracking. Yeah. Or Katerina or, or, or hallucinating yeah. with Katerina writing yeah. in the diary or yep. which could have been a sort of memory, but uh, definitely not when he reach out and touch her. Yeah, no. exactly. It's, yeah. There, there's been a little bit. I mean, and let's be fair. Liz has been put through the ringer. Like I would have cracked ages ago. I would have been in a ball in the corner rocking back and forth by this point. So um so it's we're 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 i'm finding fascinating all this throwback to the past and i bet we're going to start oh, seeing more there's another more. one samar the samar, samar. that's correct aram has this great when he decides like i've had it and he just goes and he plants a microphone which is really good aram is getting really good i tell you it's going to be liskin surrendering to assistant director um around Mustabai. Ah, that'd be fun. Um, with the exception of I really don't want her to be red. But you know, having him as the assistant director would be fantastic. Yeah. And and um and um agent um uh, Agnes Keen. Mm-hmm. God, don't it's I have a whole bunch of complaints if we turn around and just end up in the exact same place. With well, with Agnes. It's, it's slightly better. I mean, at least, at least Agnes was staying with a grandmother. Uh, that's a that's a step forward, and now she's on the run with Liz. Although I'm not sure that that is a good step. I mean, <laughs> generally being on the run as a criminal, not the best place to raise a kid. But what do I know? I don't even have kids. But I mean, I was gonna say, Katerina. Uh, Thought the same thing with Liz and left her with Sam and look where it got us. So I mean, it can't be a whole lot worse. Yeah, but the the the, the problem I have with all those is like none of these kids that are abandoned ever stop to think. Well, first, I know Tom felt abandoned, but that wasn't the truth. Um, Jennifer was with her mother, um, and. And Liz was, you know, she has learned over the years why she was left. It was just to protect her. Liz was marked, literally marked in her for in her forearm. Literally marked. There is nowhere she could hide that if they were all together, they could not find them. Unless they cut that arm off. <laughs> yeah, let's not mutilate our children. Um... Yeah, it seems a little extreme. Yeah, but uh, the, the other uh, callback was to Samar when when Aram um, Aram described ne- her needed needed a description and just straight up described Samar. Mm. <laughs> it was great. I I had such a happy moment there. I I'm, I keep thinking about that and thinking you know and I always go back to what I think is gonna happen. I think that at some point Red is gonna come back with a baby. And tell her, listen, Samar died. This is your son. Oh, that'd be crazy. Wow. I mean, because Abram always, and he made the comment, he always wanted kids. Mm -hmm. And so to have a piece of Samar, like, oh, ouch. Thanks for that. (laughs) I've always thought that that was going to happen for some reason. 
it just felt that that was it. And then, it, you know, you're going to have another one of those parallels of a father who, who believes that the mother is dead and raising a child. I mean, there is there is so many things going on here. This was a, I, I found it a very enjoyable episode, very much lighter, uh, even though what the things that Liz were doing had very real consequences. Like she's basically just exposing Cooper to horrendous danger. Um, and there is there is all this other danger that she's doing by getting the freelancer and exposing the task force. I think that, that Liz, um, it, it's however bad things she's doing. This episode was light. I liked it and enjoyed it. It was, it was, it went fast. So I, all in all, I loved it. By the way, do you think that me ask you a question? Do you think that wrestler identify Essie? You saw her in the in the room when the bomb was put in. I mean, but I guess in the car gone. let her go. Did not try to identify oh, her. Oh, you mean? Do you think he saw her with the cup? And I don't think so. Um, I think they would have made it more clear if he had, mm-hmm. because they they haven't had an issue with making it clear when he's actively letting Liz get away with stuff. Because I thought that when the when the, the the homeless man got in the car or the one appearing to be a homeless man got in the car with a cop, that Ressa was eyeing them directly and there is no way that he could not have remembered her from the hospital. Uh, agreed. She was that. leaving as he was coming in the room. I don't think that he ever saw where the cup ended up. No, no, no. I'm not saying but he saw Essie. And I think he saw Essie at the hospital. Yeah, he did, because um, he ushered her out of the hospital room. Um, and so, yeah, I, I know he saw that, but I don't think he saw her when she was in the car. I don't Just believe so. Looking directly at it. So I, that's my question. I don't know what's going on or up until where where wrestlers are actions are compromised, but. Anyway, interesting episode. You got something else? Uh, I don't think so. However, there was not much. There was an around. There was not much on wrestler and nothing on Parker. Um, A, Brandon the Parkley, the Judge Panavaker, Freelancer, Cooper. Oh, you know what we haven't touched on? We How Cooper was actually keeping things from Brad. And it was such a great scene when he goes to the room and he thinks he's going to find Liz and then Dembe opens the door. Liz, you've changed so much. <laughs> Being on the run has really changed you. Yeah. And then I love that conversation between Red and Cooper. He was like, well, your job is to uphold the law. My job is to break it. So technically you're more in the wrong than me. Cooper's just like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that that was a great scene with them. I mean, them with their cat and mouse game the entire time. And they both came to the same. You know, they both were trying to pull one on each other and they both ended up at the same place. Uh, I did have a question. It seemed kind of silly with Cooper uh, at the beginning when they used the freelancer's real name and he didn't recognize it. I'm going, you know, I guess 
if it were just like Bob Smith or something like that, I could understand why he might not make that connection. But the, but guy, the guy had been gone for seven years. He'd been in prison. Maybe, maybe that's it. But it just like he acted like he'd never heard the name, and it wasn't an abnormal. Like it wasn't a run-of-the-mill name. It was something that you would have thought would stand out a bit, especially well, as one of the very first cases they they worked with Reddington. Yeah, I don't know how that worked, but maybe that was more for us because oh, I think they had they yeah. had to they they were giving us a name and everybody would be like I don't know we only knew it. Maybe yeah. even Red said I'm sure he had a name I just don't it know it would have been it would have been very easy because I mean later you had uh, Cooper called him by his name right to go oh the freelancer and that's all they would have had to do with Cooper and so it just it was kind of like you had some sticking points last week with the writing. That was one for me. And I, I had some sticking points with the judge, too, that I felt I like. Did, the, I didn't even need the name. He was a freelancer. <laughs> yeah. And so, but that's. Uh, that's all I have. Yeah, I think that's all I've got, too. I think that's that's pretty much it. All right, guys. Well, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and on iTunes, and you can talk to us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Tessa's over on Reddit. And until next time. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye.